Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. All right, now for a reading from your favorite book of the Bible and mine, Leviticus. This is the year of Jubilee. You shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. (coughs) And then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud on the 10th day of the seventh month. On that day of atonement, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout the land, and you shall hallow the 50th year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants." Do you know where that last verse is found somewhere in our country? I'll give you a hint. Philadelphia? The Liberty Bell. That verse is on the rim of the Liberty Bell. And you shall hallow the 50th year and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return every one of you to your property and every one of you to your family. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you and you shall not sow or reap the aftergrowth or harvest the unpruned vines for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat only what the field itself produces. And the reading goes on for quite a while, and it talks about on this 50th year, this year of Jubilee, all debts are canceled, slaves are set free, land is given back to its owner. Can you imagine if we practice this in this country? No, we can't imagine that. But it is, it is, what I love about that reading is it shows us a little bit of the heart of God. So we're going to come back to that reading toward the end of the sermon. But I want to start with, once again, Pastor Tony is at the pearly gates. This was a month or so ago. We talked about Pastor Tony being at the pearly gates. Well, he's back. He's back. He's at the pearly gates, and he looks confused. Because in all of these type of stories, St. Peter is there to greet you and determine if you get to go in, right? And Pastor Tony's at the gates, the gates are open, and there's no St. Peter. And so St. Peter was doing something else in, in heaven, and he turns around and he sees a confused Tony standing there not knowing what to do. And so St. Peter comes over and he goes, can I help you? And Pastor Tony says, yeah, I just don't know what to do here. Like, I'm supposed to do something to get in, right? And St. Peter goes, oh, okay. All right, well, let's, let's count up your points then. And Tony gets all excited all of a sudden, and he says, all right, how many points do I need? St. Peter goes, um, 100? 100. Tony's like, all right, I got this. All right. So St. Peter says, all right, well, tell me something good you did. And so Pastor Tony says, well, I often uh, would help with Gehanna residents in need, and I did a lot in terms of raising uh, support and money for them, and that, I really worked hard at that. St. Peter goes, okay, one point. Tony's like, dang. So then he thinks for a while, and he says, all right, I was a pastor, not only a pastor, but a peace Lutheran church. And I served there for years, and I married people, and I served communion, and I gave excellent sermons. And people loved me. I I 
brought a lot of people to know Jesus better. And St. Peter goes, all right. One more point. And Tony's like, dang, I'm in trouble now. I mean, that's, that's all I got. And just then, Bob walks past. Walks past Tony and waves at him. You know who Bob is? Bob, not, not the Bob that you know here, another Bob. You probably don't know him because he's what we call a creaster. He only goes to work or to church on Christmas and Easter. And, and he's not really a very religious person. He, he owned a coffee shop and was a nice guy, but we never saw him like working at the food pantries. And he walks right past Pastor Tony, waves and goes in. And Pastor Tony's like, Pete, what's up with that? That guy, I know him. He's a nice guy, but he didn't do what I did. And St. Peter just calmly says, oh, he doesn't play this game. Now, I know it's kind of a lame ending to the joke, right? Because none of you really laughed very hard, but it makes a great point. And it's in the book. It makes a great point that somehow we think our faith, we kind of take that, the side of the fictional Pastor Tony in this joke, where, where we think we're earning points along the way and that that's what religion's about and somehow that's how we get in to the kingdom of God and what we learn from this joke is that maybe God isn't playing that game anymore. Maybe God never really was. So let me, uh, let me back up and tell you the story. I don't think I've ever shared this with all of you of how I became a Lutheran pastor. It started with one day I was out Surprise, riding my bike. And a thunderbolt occurred. Either that or it was a truck passing by. And I fell off of my bike and I was blinded. And because I had fallen in a mud puddle. And I couldn't see anything. And I hear this loud voice from heaven. And it says, Doug, I have surveyed all of the denominations. All several thousand of them, and I have decided the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America is the best one, the one that most represents me, and I want you to go lead them. Now for the true story. (laughs) My grandparents moved to Mansfield, Ohio. They looked for a church. They found one that seemed pretty nice. It was St. Luke's Lutheran Church. They went there most of their adult lives. My mom grew up there. My mom marries my dad. They moved to Worthington, where I was born. They decided to pick a Lutheran church because it's what she went to. We grew up at All Saints. It meant something to me along the way. I found I liked the youth group. It had cute girls. And, um, and so I was always involved with that. Then I went to Ohio University. The last thing I thought I would be was a pastor. The last thought anyone thought of me that I would be would be a pastor. But then somewhere along the lines, I go, oh, maybe I'll be a pastor. And so I went to Trinity Lutheran Seminary. Then I started a church, and then I came to this church. That is why I'm a Lutheran pastor. It's not really a sensational story. It's one that I'm kind of fond of. But I would never ever think that God favors the ELCA over Episcopalians, Anglicans, Baptists, Catholics. This is where we get to the lie that we're going to talk about today in this book, Lies We Believe About God. The lie that we're focusing on is the chapter that talks about God created my religion. It probably doesn't come as a shock for you 
to hear this, but maybe for some of you it does. Jesus didn't come to create a new religion. It's probably the last thing Jesus thought that Jesus was doing. Jesus is not about creating another divide between groups of people. Jesus came to show us what God is like, not to create more separation in a world that was already filled with all kinds of religions. It's not what Jesus came to do. There are pros and cons, of course, about religion. I like to think that the pros outweigh the cons, but, but it's religion is more for us than it is for God. God is not up keeping tallies of how many times you're here. I am, but God's not. God's not doing that. And, and you can look at our history of Christianity, and we can see all sorts of cons. I know some of you, show of hands, capital people, capital, university, yeah. I'm going to, uh, don't get too mad at me. But some of you I know were upset when they changed their name from Crusaders. Some of you are upset because you think Comets is really lame. But I kind of get the changing of the name from, whatever, from Crusaders to whatever because, and I'm not saying this out of some sort of sense of political correctness, but if you want your mascot to represent something that God favors, it wouldn't have been a Crusader. We might look back and say, those times were interesting, but I don't think God favored the Crusaders over the Muslims and everyone else in the bloodshed that went on that is not representative of the heart of God, and I think we all get that. The word religion comes from a Latin uh, word, and re means back again, and legio the second part of the word means to bind oneself to someone or something. So it's re-binding of ourselves. And again, that has pros and cons. The pros are, as I said, more for us than they are for God. I am blessed to be a part of this faith community because I find that we support each other, we encourage each other, we go out and we do what we believe God's work to be about, and it's important, but it is a blessing for us. I think God loves some of the things that we do. God doesn't love some of the things that we do. Jesus came to show us what God is like, and what started with People being able to have a relationship with a living, walking Jesus Christ over 2,000 years has evolved into more and more division and sets of rules. Jesus really wasn't a fan of the rules. You can say there's all sorts of rules in Scripture. Jesus wasn't a fan of all of them. Jesus actually argued with some of the Bible. And at one point, Jesus comes up to some of the leading religious leaders of the day, the, the leading Pharisees and Sadducees, the people who controlled the temple, the most important, powerful religious leaders in all of the world at that point. Jesus goes up to them and, and starts arguing with them. He says things like, like, you have all these rituals about how you wash your hands. You have these rituals about how you clean the outside of a cup. And you don't focus on the inside of the cup relating to 
us. We focus on the outside, not on the inside. And another point, he says, you spend all this time with the rules of tithing, little simple things like mint and dill and cumin, and you neglect the weightier things of the law, like, I don't know, justice. And then he says, you take the highest seats at the, at the fancy table, and then he goes on to say this to these religious leaders. Think about how insulted they are at this point. Jesus says to them, you're like unmarked graves that people walk on and you don't even know it. At another point, he says, you are sons of hell. (laughs) Jesus calling out the rule makers of the day, blasting them. Jesus didn't come to create more division. Jesus came to show us our shared humanity that sometimes we overlook. In his chapter on this, Paul Young talks about how we have this filter, even though we we don't realize sometimes that we have it, we have this filter where we filter things either as sacred things or secular things. So we have this division, sacred or secular. And when we put our eyes on Jesus, what we can do is that filter starts to go away. And he writes these words about that. He says, we realize that our fatherhood, motherhood, friendship, ditch digging, garbage collecting, gardening, bread baking, coffee brewing, whale saving, weed killing, caring for our neighbor and bird watching are all expressions of participation in the life of God. I love that. It reminds me of uh, when we get rid of this divide between secular and sacred and we see everything is holy Reminds me of this story I saw last week. I was walking in the Pride Parade. Some of you were with us. And we walk in this because this is a group of people that have been told by a lot of different people that their lives aren't important to God. And so we were walking, and one of our colleagues, a pastor at Gethsemane Lutheran Church in Worthington, a guy named Pastor TJ, was wearing a shirt that says, This pastor loves you. And as we're walking through down the street with thousands of people on the right and the left, and this happened several times, but this one one scene I'll never forget, out of the crowd comes this woman with tears streaming down her eyes, embraces TJ without even asking, and held on for what seemed like the longest time, and then whispered in his ear, I love Jesus too. I love Jesus. Jesus to that is sacred that is sacred so let's go back to this year of jubilee when Jesus began his ministry he read from the prophet Isaiah he rolled up the scroll and in front of his hometown congregation he said these words the spirit of the lord is upon me to bring good news to the oppressed to release the captives. And then at the end of his little speech, he says, this is the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor, as you heard from the reading, is every 50 years. It's that time when we see God's heart, that God wants us to be unbound from whatever's holding us back. All debts are canceled. Everyone is set free. 
I always compare it to the game Kick the Can. Have you ever played Kick the Can? Most of us who are older, yes. I don't know if kids play Kick the Can anymore. It's a game where you put a can in the middle of the street. Everybody goes and hides except the person who's it. And when you find people, you tag them and you put them in prison. And if anyone comes and kicks the can without getting caught, then all the prisoners get to go free. But after a while, sometimes the game would go on because there'd be all these, these people in prison, but there'd be like one person that was hiding too well. And then the game got boring. And so it'd be a collective decision. And you'd yell out the words, all ye, all ye, income free. And everything started over. I want you to hear those words this morning, because that's what our faith should be about. It is announcing to everyone that God has created, all ye, all ye, income free. I'll close with this. In the book, he says, he talked about in the book, The Shack. He, he, and if you heard me talk about this before, in The Shack, he's got Jesus, the, the Trinity, or the uh, Holy Spirit, and God, and God is a black woman named Papa. And at one point, one of the characters in, in the book asks, do all roads lead to Papa? Do all roads, we ask that all the time, do all roads lead to God? And Jesus gives the answer. Jesus says, no, most roads don't go anywhere. Most roads don't go anywhere. But I will take any road to find you. Amen.